This is Anchor Points with Robert Quintana. God wants us to be happy. Every week, helping you discover the answers to some of life's biggest questions. There is a purpose for our lives. And applying them to help you grow closer in your walk with God. Messages straight from the pulpit of Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. What's going to drive you to your knees? Is it going to be fear or is it going to be love? Feel free to discover more like this at AriseForGod.com. When you think of rebels, characters like James Dean in Rebel Without a Cause may come to mind. Mom, I just once I want to do something right. And I don't want you to run away from me again. Jimmy, you're very young. A foolish decision now could wreck your whole life. In the film, he portrays a teenager who rebels against his parents, a character that portrays the decay of American youth. And that was nearly 60 years ago. Now we worry about things like school shootings, which makes James Dean appear almost tame. But why is rebellion glorified in our culture? And is there anything we can glean from obedience? Obedience to God allows the purpose of God to be fulfilled not only in our lives, but in the lives of those around us and in this world. That's Robert Quintana, and today he continues to dig through the ancient text of Samuel from the Bible to answer the question why obedience to God is important with part two of Setting the Course. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 15. You might remember from part one of this sermon series that First and Second Samuel was originally one book. And so you might hear me refer to First and Second Samuel as the book of Samuel. Because originally it was one book, it was just too long, and so it wasn't until later that they decided to split it up into two books. But I'd like for you to turn to First Samuel chapter 15, where we are going to learn the importance of obedience. At the end of today's message, I'm going to ask the question, why is this important? Why is obedience to God so important? But you might remember from part one that the book of Samuel is a book of transitions. It is a book that that tells a story where you think it's going one way and then all of a sudden it's going in a different direction. And you know, sometimes when we set course for our lives, we know exactly what we want to accomplish, right? We know exactly what we want to study. We know where we want to go to school. We know what we want to become. We know at the age that we want to get married and and we want to have children by the age of 27 and we want to make our first million by the age of of 47. And, And we have all of these goals that we make for ourselves in life. And then all too often, we run into roadblocks. A sign that says dead end. A sign that might say detour, construction ahead. And the road that we were hoping would be a smooth one turns into a bumpy one. It turns into one that that is full of potholes. And we ask ourselves, we find ourselves oftentimes screaming out saying, help, help, where am I? What am I doing? I, I feel lost. And you will remember that the first thing we need to do when we find ourselves 
in a time of transition like this in our lives is that we need to acknowledge that God is in control. We need to acknowledge that though things may not seem on the up and up, we need to acknowledge that above all the mess that we're in, God is still in control. The second thing, we need to acknowledge that God will lead. God will lead us through this time of transition. God will lead us through detours and through dead ends and and through construction zones. We need to also remember that God will give you the strength that you need to make it through and be victorious. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of obedience and the role that obedience has in helping us through life's journey. You see, because sometimes we map out our lives and we think, yep, this is exactly what I want to do. This is exactly who I'm going to marry. This is exactly who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And six years into the marriage, something tragic happens and they're no longer there and you find yourself in a major life detour. What do you do? How do you handle it? First Samuel chapter 15 from verses 1 through 8, we, 1 through 9, I'm sorry, we see God giving Saul, King Saul, specific instructions. We see God saying to King Saul, this is what I need you to do. And it is specific. I mean, I need you to do A, B, C, X, Y, Z. Now, before we go on, it's important for me to address this very important fact because some of us are going to be tempted to fall into this trap as we're reading this story. The trap is this, pastor, well, if God spoke to me the way that he spoke to Samuel and to Saul and to David and to all of these great men of the Old Testament, then I might be more inclined to obey. Have you ever found yourself in that position? I'm telling you, you're going to be tempted to fall into that trap today. Let me just remind you that God has spoken to you. God has spoken to us and it is all recorded right here in his word. So as you read his word, it is his word speaking to you. And today we're going to look at the importance of obeying his word, obeying his commands for our lives. But here we are in, uh, in 1 Samuel um, chapter 15. God has given King Saul specific instructions of what he needs to do, but Saul doesn't carry out to the T what God has commanded. And so now God comes to Samuel, the prophet, and says to Samuel, you need to tell Saul how upset I am with him. You need to tell him how, how discouraged I am with his leadership. And so this is where we pick up the story in verse 10. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. Let me just stop there for a second, because when I read that, it really hit home. Because my prayer was, God, I pray that you never, ever have to say, I greatly regret that I put Pastor Q as pastor. Now, you can internalize that. You can personalize that. And I pray that, that we never have to hear God say to us, I regret that I ever made him president or, or CEO. I, I regret that I ever put him in that sphere of influence. 
My prayer for all of us is that this someday we will hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 11, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Now, you need to realize that sometimes God calls us to do something that we might not be happy with. Here you have God telling Samuel now, I need you to go tell Saul these words. And, and Samuel was so discouraged, he was so sad that the Bible says he cried all night. God, I don't want to do this. God, no, is there any other way? God, God, surely we, we can fix this. And the Bible says that Samuel cried all night. I am telling you that there are times in life that God will call you to do something that you don't feel comfortable with or that you don't want to do. There might be something within you that rails against that command whether it deals with your finances or whether it deals with with approaching someone and asking for their forgiveness, there are times when God will call you to do something that you're not happy with. But there is a reason, listen, there is a reason why we must step out in faith and put our lives in his hands and obey no matter what that is. And so we continue reading. It says here that he cried all night, verse 12. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, he was told, Samuel saying, Saul went to Camille and indeed he set up a monument for himself and he has gone on around, passed by and gone down to Gilgal. So here Samuel's, you know, following the footsteps to trying to track down Saul wherever he may be. Verse 13, then Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Have we ever found ourselves in that position? Oh God, why is this happening to me? I've done everything you've commanded me. I've done everything that you've asked of me. Have we ever found ourselves in that position? I'm telling you, today's message is going to challenge you to take a personal inventory of your life. And ask yourself the question, okay, am I really obeying what God has asked of me? Uh, Am I I treating my spouse as he has commanded me to? Am I treating my neighbors as he has commanded me to? Am I treating my church family as he has commanded me to? Am I running my financial portfolio as he has commanded me to? Am I running my business as he has commanded me to? Am I eating the way that he has commanded me to? It goes on and on and on. And today's message will challenge you to take that personal inventory and start asking yourself, okay, if, if obedience is this important, what are the areas in my life that I may need to tweak? So verse 14, but Samuel said, what then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? See, part of the command in, in verses 1 through 9, was that when you go into this city and you battle this city, you are to destroy everything and bring nothing back. The, the sheep, the lamb, the oxen, no plundering, no bringing anything back. You need to destroy everything. Well, Saul 
didn't follow through with everything that God had commanded. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice. Now listen to this, okay? I want you to see if you can pick up Saul's heart, where his heart is. And it says here that he said, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Did you catch that? Wait a second. Saul, isn't the Lord your God too? Shouldn't Saul have said something like to sacrifice to my God? Or, or, or maybe to say something like to sacrifice to our God? It, it is an insight to how far Saul had gone from the side of God. That he now refers to God, the God of Israel, as your God, Samuel. Well, the story continues here in verse 16. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. That's the polite way, right? And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, you know, when you lived a life in humility, not all puffed up, not all prideful, not all thinking that you're all that. No, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? In other words, when you thought you couldn't was when God could. But now that you think you're all big and bad, now you're in a position where God can't use you. And so he continues on. He says here in in verse 18, Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, And fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoils and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And how many times it is in our own lives, in our own journey, that we're told to do something. We've received insight whether from the word of God or from a message or from a song or from a book, we've received insight and we sense God speaking to us and we oftentimes maybe listen to half of it and say, okay, God, I'll start doing this, but this is too much. You're asking too much over here. And we do this in our own journey and we shortchange God. What we don't realize that we're doing is we're shortchanging ourselves. Because you need to understand that there is no one in the universe that loves you more than God himself. And that everything is available, every power is available to God to make his purpose and his plan a reality in your life. But let's continue on the story and we'll get to that. We'll answer that question, why It says here in verse 19, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoils and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Verse 20, and Saul said to Samuel, 
but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. Isn't it interesting how we sometimes, you know, we convince ourselves, we, we justify things. You know, well, well I'm, I'm doing enough, don't you think, God? I give to the church, you know, every once in a while. I mean, yeah, God, I mean, maybe it's not the way that you've asked me to, but I give some. I mean, shouldn't that be enough? Well, goes on and he's justifying his actions. I, I went, I gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Verse 21, but the people took of the plunder sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. Listen again, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. There it is again. Well, listen to verse 22, because this is the part that really just will shake you to the core. So Samuel said, as the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. In other words, the Lord prefers if you would just obey him than to bring some sacrifices before him. It is more important for you to live in this spirit of surrender, to live in this spirit of servanthood, of humility, where you are constantly surrendering to him and obeying his will for your life And there's a purpose for that. We're getting to that. But he would rather you be doing that than just bringing sacrifices every once in a while. God doesn't receive anything from that. Behold, to obey, he says, is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Now, are you ready for this? Because this is the verse that will shake you to the core. Verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected you from being king. Wow. You talk about powerful words. You talk about words that are loaded. Now we see God equating disobedience with rebellion. Now, the interesting thing about rebellion or disobedience is that it can manifest itself in several arenas of our lives. And I want to share with you four other arenas in which rebellion can manifest itself. I'm not going to go into great detail, but the Bible is very clear that rebellion can manifest itself in four other ways. For other ways other than open rebellion against God. The first area that we can exhibit this spirit of rebellion is towards our parents. You can start off with verse Colossians, verse 3, verse 20. The Bible is jam-packed with verses as to how we should obey and respect our parents. And that we should not rebel against our parents. Well, another area that rebellion can be exhibited is towards school, towards education. You probably didn't even know this, did you? That it's in the Bible that we are called to to obey and respect our teachers and to learn from them. And so oftentimes we have this spirit of rebellion against school. I don't want to go to school. I hate school. 
You know, I, I, it, it's so boring. Now, you need to keep in mind also that this is rebellion against good. Rebellion against the principles of God. Obviously, God is at the top of this. And God always goes first. And if we're asked by a parent or a teacher to go against the will of God, then we need to stop and we need to question and we need to have a dialogue perhaps or seek counsel from somewhere else. The third area in which rebellion can be exhibited is towards our government, toward our civil duty. Did you know that the Bible oftentimes talks about the respect and the obedience that we should have towards our government? And render unto Caesars what is Caesars and render unto God what is God. And if it does not go against the principles of God, you have a responsibility as a citizen to obey the laws. And that we should not have a spirit of rebellion when it comes to the laws that protect us, to the laws that make us a civilized society. But see, the spirit of rebellion can manifest itself in many different ways. And the last place that it can be exhibited is in the church. Rebellion against the church. Now, the word church appears many times in Scripture, over a hundred times. Only several of those instances is it only referring to the, the body, the global body. But most of the time, when it talks about the church, it's referring to the local congregation, to the assembly of the saints. And God says, look, Don't rebel against the church. The church is there to help you. The church is there to guide you. The church is there to give you the advice that you need to make it through and be successful. And so the spirit of rebellion can manifest itself in different arenas of our lives. It is important that we today, as we walk out of here, we, we check ourselves. We take that personal inventory of our lives and say, what area of my life am I living in open rebellion to God and to his principles? Now we get to the question, why? Why is this so important? I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 in the letter to the church in Philippi. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Good news, huh? Fortunately, it goes on to explain a little bit about the mind of Christ. Verse 6, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, And coming in the likeness of a man. What is this mind of Christ if it's not a mind of humility? A mind of humbleness. A mind that says, I have come to serve and not to be served. A mind that says, I will surrender my will. First and foremost to God. And as God directs me and leads me. I surrender to those around me. And then it says here in verse 8, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became, there's that word, became what? Obedient 
to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, this is why it's important. This is why the subject of obedience is important, my friends. Because obedience to God allows the purpose of God to be fulfilled, not only in our lives, but in the lives of those around us and in this world. You see, because as Jesus was obedient to God, he was able to fulfill the plan of salvation for our world, for you and for me. And as he humbled himself and obeyed God, he was able to fulfill the plan of salvation. And today we are being called to that same humble surrender, that same humble obedience to God for the purpose. And here's the why. For the purpose of him fulfilling his plans and his purpose in our lives and in the world that we live in. And so he comes to us today and he says, I need men and women that can stand up, that can stand up and say, I will obey you at all costs, at any cost, whatever it takes, I'm going to obey you. And the promise is, that as we obey him, his purpose and his plans are fulfilled in our lives and in our world. You've been listening to Anchor Points with Robert Quintana and part two of Setting the Course. If you would like to hear or share this message and find others like it, you can subscribe to our podcast at ariseforgod.com or by searching Anchor Points on iTunes. You can also follow Anchor Points on Facebook. Now, here's what you'll hear next week. Somehow we've bought into this lie that it's all about me. It's all about how can I get ahead. We live in a self-centered culture. So when you put others first, it can have some incredible repercussions. Next week, Robert Quintana begins a four-part series entitled A Revolution of Generosity. We appreciate you listening. This program is produced by Word of Mouth Productions in cooperation with Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church. And remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.